Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get to today's episode, I want you to know that we at Time of Grace have a ton of resources to help you in your walk of faith. From our TV program, to daily devotions, to our Grace Talks video devotions, to podcasts, to our blog, to books, to other books, still, still more books, uh, whatever you're looking for and however you best learn, you can stay rooted in Jesus by taking time out for God's word every day. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up for our daily email. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Excited to have you join us for this episode of the Behind the Series podcast. We're talking about a great series called Skeptical Faith. So that sounds familiar to a couple of you. Uh, Skeptical Faith is actually a series we've run before, but it got um, such encouraging feedback. It was so helpful to so many people. We decided we wanted to make sure no one missed this as we tackle some of the more skeptical, difficult, relevant questions of living in our modern age. So I'm super excited, not just for the topic, but I have a great guest with me today that a couple of you know, but maybe a bunch of you don't. So if you ever see uh, the Time of Grace TV show or see some of our videos, you might see my face talking about Jesus, but there's another face just as important, honestly, perhaps more important for uh, the ministry purposes the producer of Time of Grace. Her name is Nia, and I'm happy to be talking with her today. So Nia, since many people never get to see you or hear from you, give us the uh, give us this 81-minute introduction of your life and your odd fascination with dogs. <laughs> 81 <laughs> minutes? I get 81 minutes to talk about my dog. Is that we'll what you said? The, the producer is cool with that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I am a mom of three. All teenagers. My oldest will be graduating very soon here. Actually, by the time this comes out, I think she will have graduated. Oh. Um, been a Christian for over two decades. So that means I became a Christian in college. And uh, I have a husband, been married 21 years. We just had an anniversary last week. Wow. I think those, and I have the world's cutest dog. He's a Shih Tzu. His name is Stewie. And I saw a perfect meme the other week that said, um, Parents, when you become parents of teenagers, make sure you get a dog so that when you come home, at least one person is excited to see you. That is very true for me. (laughs) Very true. That is true. If you're listening, you don't know that Nia has like dog mom, coffee cups and t-shirts. It's, it's, I don't think it's a first commandment issue just yet, (laughs) but Stewie is pretty, I got to, even though I'm not a dog guy, I got to admit he's a cute dog. He's very cute. So Yeah. Hey. Awesome to have you with us today. We're going to talk about skeptical faith, huh? Yes. Yes. I, I have to tell our, your listeners, Mike, that I, I force myself onto your show because this topic <laughs> is pretty dear to me too. And usually you have Amber on here, but I even when I was on the phone with her the other week, I said, Amber, I got to confess to you. She's like really serious wife. And I told her, I'm going to be the guest on skeptical faith behind the series, <laughs> not you. And she just started laughing. She's like, go for it. So this is a near and dear topic to my heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit, but just because of your story, um, you know, I grew up as a church kid, so I can't remember a time when I really had major doubts about, you know, is the Bible God's word or is this true or what about this Jesus stuff? But you're, you know, you've lived about half of your life on either side of that Christian faith line. So, yeah, we're going to tackle uh, kind of five big topics in this upcoming series. Here, here are the five questions Can I trust the Bible? 
Like, can I know that it's true? Aren't there a lot of different holy books? You know, isn't this like some man-made thing that got passed on and distorted and twisted over the years? Can I trust the Bible? Week two, am I naturally good? So should I follow my heart? Should I go with my gut? Should I be true to myself? Are people good? Are they bad? Are they corrupt? Are they beautiful? What do we think about that? Number three, aren't Christians hypocrites? Like, come on, there's always a news story about some Christian doing something that's very unlike Jesus. So why would we bother with the church or Christianity if so many people are hypocrites? Question four, God loves science? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, so do you have to choose between being like a logical, scientific, reasonable person versus a person of faith and trust in the Bible? Does God actually love the scientific method? And finally, are heaven and hell real. So do you really believe in like pearly gates and people playing harps, wearing diapers and on clouds or fire and brimstone and eternal punishment? So we're going to cover those five things. Can I trust the Bible? Am I naturally good? Aren't Christians hypocrites? God loves science? Question mark. Are heaven and hell real? So that's the skeptical faith series. Thank you, Mike, for that very nice, accurate introduction to the, the messages. Um, and I said I forced my way onto this show because I was a skeptic for half of my life. And the, these are the types of questions I asked all the time. And so now that I get to sit and ask a pastor these tough questions, which I've done many, many times in the past with you, and you've always been gracious in, in answering them, I get to do it for an audience of more than just one. So that's pretty exciting, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, rather than going through all five and nitpicking, because I can do that for hours on end, um, <laughs> I want to take a holistic look at, at, at skeptical faith, just as the series and just people who are naturally skeptics. So, so what was your thought process when you originally picked these five? I'm, I imagine that being a pastor, you get asked these kinds of tough questions all the time, right? You probably have like a top 97 most asked tough questions to choose from. <laughs> top and, um, 97, yes, exactly. 97, uh, class of 97 speaking right here. So high school <laughs> class of 97. Um, Pastor Matt, who many of our listeners may know from our Grace Talks video devotional series, his church just finished a five-week series that they had using the same concept. They called it asking for a friend. And they also tackled similar topics. I remember when he told me about that, I asked him, oh, what are the five topics? He named them off. I'm like, that is so close to our skeptical faith series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your top 97 list is probably pretty similar to other pastors, right? Take us through your thought process. Yeah. I, you know, really when I'm picking a topical series, I'm just thinking of recent conversations. So I'm not like looking at books that atheists write and what are they? I'm just thinking of, you know, my buddy, on the soccer team, when we're, you know, riffing and getting into a spiritual conversation, what, what kind of objections and skepticism do I sense from him or a kid from the church goes off to college and they're in this, you know, philosophy class or they're meeting people from other religions. What kind of pushback are they getting to what they learned here at home? So those five things just, they didn't seem academic to me. They seemed really practical and personal. Um, for example, I'm, um, I remember meeting with this young uh, Hispanic couple, and they seemed kind of interested in our church. They actually took the Bible class to learn like the key teachings of our church, and I had a good connection with them. I was friends with them, but they never came to church. And so we're getting to the end of the class, and I was trying to get them to take that step and you know just be regularly connected to our worship and the Word. And they just looked at me and said, "Pastor, don't you know how many hypocrites are in the church?" Like, why, why would we waste our time being part of an organization that makes people worse and not better? 
and they'd come from a Catholic background. There were headlines about scandals of, you know, abuse and cover up in the Catholic church. So their, their gut reaction to my simple, like, Hey, you should come to church was pure skepticism. Like that, that seems like a dumb way to waste my time and become a worse person. Not something that I really need to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And so that's kind of the thought process. I'm thinking of conversations like that. What can I say? What can we say? What can we say to ourselves or to our loved ones to get over that skepticism and stay connected to God's truth? You, you touched upon it a little bit. Do you think that the world judges us as Christians today just by observing some of our actions from the Catholic Church? And now we see from the Southern Baptists with the big black, um, bomb of a 300-page report talking about how they covered sex abuse allegations for almost two decades? Do you think the world is judging us based on what the big headlines are rather than what the Bible says? Mm. Yes. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) That was too easy. Yeah. I was thinking that, like, what, what comes first? Does a person really not like the teachings of Jesus And then when you can find a really bad, corrupt, terrible Christian, aha. Or does a person love the teachings of Jesus and they're, they're in the midst of it, but then something really ugly and nasty and sinful happens either way, whether a person wants to use that tragedy as an excuse to run away, or it's legit, the thing that's making them skeptical about our book and our faith and our gatherings on Sunday, I'm not sure. Either way, it's terrible. Um, I think it's really important in the conversation, though, to define what hypocrisy means. Have we ever talked about this, what the Greek word for hypocrisy means? I've listened to every single of your messages, Mike. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it at some point. <laughs> you, you, don't have a, you don't have them all memorized? Yeah. I think what I've got you, half cataloged in my head, but not quite. Are you doing playing with your dog when you're supposed to be... <laughs> I do play with my dog. Yeah. So in Greek, the word hippa means under, like a hippopotamus goes under the water. Um, And krites, where we get crit, hypocrite, uh, means to hide. So a hypocrite is someone who hides like underneath this fake facade. Um, I think in Greek culture, it was actually the mask that an actor would put on on stage. Like the mask looks like one thing, like say this big smiling face, but underneath the actual face was something very different. And so when we talk about, you know, sin within the church, I think it's a really, really key question to ask, is it someone hiding and covering something up? Or are we just talking about the sins that all of us would admit we still commit, even though we're Christians? Right. So that distinction, if, if you catch me sinning, like, oh, wait, I thought you were a Christian. I would say, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> when did I ever tell you differently? The really damaging stuff that I think happens to the church is when you act like you're so holy and pure. You point fingers at the world for doing A, B, and C. But the truth is, behind the scenes, what you're hiding is the exact same thing. And I think that latter stuff really blows up the church's impact and its reputation and its image. And that, that question of skeptical faith is totally legit. Aren't there many Christians who are just like hiding it, faking it, judging people without judging themselves? 
So that distinction has always been helpful for me. And I don't think a lot of people kind of grasp that difference that Christians aren't claiming to be perfect, but some Christians who do, and then they're not perfect, that that's where the bombs get dropped. Mm-hmm. So, so then what can we do then to combat some of this? Like, is there anything we can do You know, when we see a group of youth group members volunteering at a homeless shelter, that's just not going to get the same headlines as the Southern Baptists or the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And so that's what is imprinted on people's minds and perceptions of Christians is the big national headline. So what can we do? Yeah. Oh, man. I Unless we control all the media sources, I don't think we can worry about that. Like, what do people think of us? What are the national headlines? That's just totally out of my control. Here's what I can do. I can try to break the assumptions of a skeptical person that I do life with. You know, to use your example, if a youth group volunteers at a homeless shelter, it might not make the head, the front page of the New York Times. Those readers might not know about it, but will the director of that shelter know about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, will the people who are there experiencing generosity and kindness and love from these local Christians remember that? For sure. And then when the headline comes up, all Christians are hypocrites, the church doesn't do any good, you know, you're going to have those people who actually saw Christian love. And then they're going to they're be skeptical of the accusation, like, well, no, that, that's not totally true. I remember that one guy who came to the shelter, right? Mm-hmm. So a great scripture for that, First Peter 2. The whole book of First Peter is just great on this subject of how do you live in a hostile culture. And there's this line that says, you know, live such good lives among the unbelievers that even though they don't agree with you, they're kind of ashamed when they make fun of you. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're the the nicest neighbor on the block and their their friends are blasting Christians, their conscience is gonna be like, well, actually, no, that neighbor of mine is a Christian, man. He's super stepped up and helped me that one time. So yeah, I, I don't think we can control the narrative or the headlines anymore, but we can let our light shine in really small individual moments that really do make a difference in drawing people towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Pastor Jeremy, who guest preaches, he does preach about the hypocrisy um, topic in the series as well. So mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to listen to that message. Um, when I, I mentioned that when I first became a Christian, I was I was in college. And so I just remember just, just it was like really life-changing once I realized that the Spirit was leading me to that. And, and I was so excited, but I always felt so ill-equipped to answer the skeptics, because even though I had become a Christian, I had many friends who were not. And so Hmm. I didn't know how to defend the faith. And I never felt like I was qualified to defend the faith. And I would feel convicted when I think of that first Peter verse, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Hmm. I did did not memorize that, by the way, I'm reading the first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I should have it memorized. I, I just wasn't prepared outside of my own experience because people will be like oh that's just your feelings and you can't prove it on your feelings so oftentimes i i wouldn't defend the faith so but oftentimes as we get older or even not as we're older um we have to we feel like we have to defend our faith god doesn't need us to defend but we feel the need to to do it does this series help series help people do that are we gonna earn our apologetics 101 degree and be able to combat and go one-on-one against the uh, the skeptics mm. who, are, who are doubting what we believe? Yeah. So after this five-week series, Skeptical Faith, are you asking, 
will you be totally equipped and prepared to take on your atheist cousin and that guy you work with? Yes. <laughs> Is that the question? Yes. Oh, no. I, I mean, I wish we could, <laughs> we could get a lot of viewers if it was that simple. Um, I was kind of thinking behind your question, when you became a Christian, you know, two decades ago, was the person who shared Jesus with you, did they know all the answers to all the questions? No, actually they didn't. Yeah. I had a lot of annoying questions they did they couldn't answer. Yeah. And that's actually super encouraging to me. I was, I don't think I've ever asked you that. But sometimes I think like, oh, if I just make these five arguments, then everyone's going to become Christians. And I, I don't know, in my experience, it it rarely works. I don't think most people are thinking, well, I would be a Christian if you could just answer these three questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a whole mess of motivations and objections and you know, the whole sinfulness of the human heart. So I, that, to me, that's such a relief that if you're not, an, the word apologetics means defending the faith. If you like can't come up with perfect Bible logical answers to, you know, get the shield up and defend this Christian truth, like that, that's okay. In my church, at least, I have seen way more fruit and way more people become Christians, not through necessarily the smartest people in the church, but through the most loving people in the church, hmm. you know, I'm not sure if you've seen that too. It's just like, wow, she is not going to get her PhD in the Bible, but she's so kind to people. It's like, everyone wants to come to church with her. And then the Holy spirit does this thing and like overcomes the objections by the power of the word. And I don't know, maybe that happened with your own conversion too. It wasn't the, the best answers that got you. It was just someone who cared about you and put Jesus in front of your eyes. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Now that you asked that, I remember, asking so many little skeptical questions along the way. And one of them that I was never satisfactorily answered when I was still learning what the faith was, well, then before Jesus, what did people, where did people go when they died? You know, did they go, mm. where did they go? Where did, and mm. she's just like, I don't know. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I didn't know for the longest time, but that didn't deter me. So I never thought about that, Mike. So thank you for pointing that out. You're right. Yeah. 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 And, that, yeah. and that's a, that's close to me because I have so many annoying questions. My kids to this day tell me I ask too many annoying questions. And I, I think I will always ask annoying <laughs> questions. So um, yeah, that, you don't have to have all of them answered in order to see, right? Yeah. I, I, man, what percentage of Christians do you think feel inadequate at evangelism? Like it's for someone else, but not me. I, we just have this weird, I don't know where we get it from, this weird idea of how it works. Um, remember in John chapter one, I think it's Philip and Nathaniel where one of them has started to follow Jesus and the other one hasn't like, we, we found the Messiah. He's Jesus from Nazareth. And the rebuttal is what? like Nazareth. Like, that can't be right. So this dinky little village. And the response isn't like this apologetic argument. That's totally emotionally satisfying. Do you remember the response? Come and see like, okay, you got your doubts. Come check it out. Maybe I can't answer it, but I bet Jesus can. And so that's just so freeing to me. It's a great biblical example from the life of Jesus itself. Like, hey, you, maybe you can't answer the question. Say to, your, say to your friend, that's a really great question. I've never thought about that. Would you come to church and just check it out and listen? And maybe my pastor can answer that. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to research this because this is a good question that you're asking. So you don't need to ace Bible Jeopardy. Just be loving <laughs> approachable, humble. And I think you get 95% of the way there. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, you clearly don't shy away from tough topics. 
every year your church puts on what you call Q&A Sunday, where members can ask you tough questions. Um, a lot of them are on the spot where you don't have any time to prepare. And for our Grace Talks, um, we've turned many of these into the daily devotional videos as well. So taking into consideration all the questions you've gotten over the years, and you know, I talk about your top 97 questions most asked, is there a theme or question that has emerged as what people most often want to know about? Ooh, yes. Uh, by the way, I'm not sure if the listeners have picked up, uh, when you kind of sent me your notes for this conversation, I noticed just how frequently you kind of like you drop these little nuggets of other resources that people could listen to. Was that intentional? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh yes, that's Grace right. Talks. Pastor Matt did this yes. one series and oh yeah, Pastor Jeremy, it's like these little <laughs> hyperlinks. So you're you're pretty good at what you do. I got to give you respect for that. <laughs> Thank you. Verbal hyperlinks, if there's such a thing. <laughs> yeah, so your question. Um, you're right. I, I get 50 to 100 questions every year uh, on Q&A Sunday. Is there a theme? Honestly, the theme is personal experience. So is everyone asking questions about homosexuality? No. If someone has same-sex attraction or their son is gay or their new roommate is a lesbian, do they have questions? For sure. Mm -hmm. Does everyone in the church really care about praying to Mary or Catholicism and the Pope? If someone was raised Catholic and they're coming to church and we're not a Catholic church, are they asking questions about those things? What about holy water? What about baptizing babies? What about praying to the saints? They're for sure asking those questions. If you're a biology major, you're asking questions about evolution. If your dad died when you were 12, you're asking questions about suffering and, and pain. So I, I think people don't have a top 97 list that they all agree upon. I think their top 97 list is just what they've been through. Mm. And that everyone is searching for like biblical big answers from God for their personal story and their questions. So that's been the thread. And that's what makes it interesting because every person's different and therefore every set of questions is pretty different. But there's that one thing like, you know, if you were to break it out, like 75% of your questions are about the devil or mm. about heaven or about um, why does bad things happen to good people? Can mm. the on the spot categorically, could you throw out some numbers like that? Ooh, you know, I think just the times we're living in, sexuality has got to bump into the top three. Um, that's just something where there's a distinction between the big mm -hmm. push of modern culture and the teaching of scripture. And because of that gap and because there's a story every day to the topic, I think people like, they really want to know, you know, what should I think about this? If I'm following Jesus, where should I stand? Um, so that's there. And yeah, I think your question about pain, it's hard to go too far in life without losing someone you love, without having chronic pain, uh, without battling mental illness. Like we, we all go through these valleys and people want explanations if God is good and powerful and loving. So yeah, I, th I think that's fair. Those two things, pain and suffering and sexuality and Christianity, they show up every time we open the floodgates for people to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned how you always graciously answer all my annoying questions. So, you know, props to you. My kids don't answer my questions as often as you answer my questions. Well, that's because you give the dog all the attention. <laughs> the, kids, the kids are feeling neglected these days. Like, mom, I just want to talk about apologetics with you, but you're walking Stewie and we drifted apart. No, it's more like, where are you going? Uh, I'm going mumble, mumble, mumble. I can barely hear them. It's like, fine, I'll walk Stewie then. And at least he likes my company. 
<laughs> but you've always been gracious about your your answering my questions. And do you remember that day when I went to lunch with you and Pastor Michael and I fired like a thousand questions at each of you guys and you guys, uh, to your credit, answered them. I remember the booth where we were sitting. My therapist <laughs> and I have been working through the scarring experience. I used to researching half of my questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're a deep thinker that way, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking this series over, Skeptical Faith. Um, as always, we have some really cool resources for people to take this a little bit deeper. There's actually two books. Uh, one was so popular that we released a subsequent volume. So the books this month are called Tough Questions, Reasoned Answers by Pastor Paul Kelm. And then how about this title, More Tough Questions and How the Bible Answers Them by Dr. Bruce Becker. Um, actually, just a few minutes ago, I printed off a table of contents from both of these books. Let me machine gun this list. These books are going to answer questions like, aren't all religions the same? How do we know the books of the Bible are the right ones? How can a loving God send people to hell? Does God have everything in our lives planned? Can you make a case for the resurrection of Jesus? How can a loving God allow evil and injustice to occur? Why does the God of the Old Testament seem so vengeful? Dun, dun, dun. Do Christians believe that baptism saves people or that they actually receive Christ's body and blood when they celebrate the Lord's Supper? That Jesus will rule on this earth for 1,000 years? Is the Christian God different than the Muslim or Jewish God? Do Christians believe that Satan exists, that angels exist, that heaven and hell are real? Uh, is marriage between a man and a woman? Is it wrong to have sex outside of marriage? What about same-sex relationships? What about the polygamy of the Old Testament? David was <laughs> David had lots of baby mamas. What's up with that? I thought he was a man after God's own heart. Is it wrong to have an abortion? Can you pull the plug on someone who's terminally ill? What happens if you commit suicide? Do you go to hell? Those are all literally chapters from these two books. Tough questions more tough questions. Those are great questions. And I hope people can pick up these books and deepen their Christian faith. So if you just want to jump over to timeofgrace.org, you can find all the information on those two great books. Nia, uh, it's going to save me a little bit of time because you're going to read these books cover to cover and you're going to say, <laughs> Mike, I, I'm, I'm all, all the answer. I got nailed it. Thank you, Time of Grace. Uh, no, uh, Dr. Bruce Becker, who sometimes is on the show, he wrote the second book. And so I fired a bunch of questions at him and not all of them made the cut. I'm a, I'm a un, unhappy to report. Also, um, I'm going to put in the description links to other tough questions you've asked. So um, people can also check out things that we just can't cover in the books. But the books are indeed a great way to ask some of these harder questions that we we often think but don't always verbalize. Yeah, so, so so true. Thank did you, you just that. did you just slip in some more time of grace resources before we? Yeah, <laughs> like a like a ninja with this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, not, to, not to say too much, but we have some weaknesses at Time of Grace. I think one of the strengths is that we have so much content that if someone has a question, it might be a book, it might be a, a short video, it might be a whole sermon, but we've tried to answer it the best we can. So maybe we can help people find those things. And that's a gift that we can give to the kingdom. Okay. Did you have a testimonial too, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just uh, I was thinking uh, maybe a week or two ago, this young woman, uh, non-Christian, came to our church. A friend invited her. Uh, I got to have coffee with her soon after, and just kind of hearing a little bit about her story. And you know, we're at we're at square one of learning about Jesus and the good news of the gospel. And I said, "Well, yeah, I know you're new to church. You probably have a lot of questions. Like, is there anything I can answer for you today?" And the first question she asks is, "What about gay people?" And I said, that's a great question. Um, I said, I actually have a whole book to answer that question called Gay and God. It's such an 
emotional important question that I won't want to shortchange you with a short answer. So I directed her to that resource. But it, you know, just a reminder for me, uh, this whole series that you know people have real questions, personal questions. They want good. They want to know where the church stands and why the church stands where it stands. So this isn't like a super flowery, inspiring answer, but just a reminder that whether it's time of grace or you listening, having resources, having answers, not being scared of those tough topics. You don't have to be perfect at it, but man, knowing that there are good answers to those questions is a great way to keep people connected to the best news of all. So I'm thinking about that young woman. She's come back. She's digging into the resources and I'm excited to see where her journey goes. You meant your book, Gay and God, right? Yeah. Oh, I'll put Look a link you. to that as well. <laughs> no, this actually, <laughs> no, we actually, uh, we have a, we have an ebook on that as well. We made it free on our store for a yeah. short amount of time. So I'll put the link in the description. You can check out Gay and God, excellent book um, that talks about loving God's word and the people that God made, right? Yeah. That's what it is, Gay and God, loving God's word and what's the yeah, other love, part of it? I, I think the subtitle was loving everything that God wrote and everyone that God made. Yeah. So, giving his universal love to the world and then like loving the truth that he shares about sexuality. So, well, Nia, we're running out of time. I, I, do I hear the, is that Stewie <laughs> in the background waiting to be loved by his dog mom? Or is that my terrible dog impression? <laughs> in any case, thanks everyone out there for listening. Um, as always, if you haven't taken that step yet to rate, review, share this podcast, it's a small thing that can make a big difference. So thanks for taking 30 seconds to do that. Thanks for your time and attention. I pray that you're blessed uh, with an ability to overcome those skeptical questions and find great answers in Jesus. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.